Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. My guest today is Cheryl Thompson, who is a mindset mentor and confidence coach. She has worked in senior management and leadership roles for some of the biggest banking and financial companies in the world, like KPMG, EY, and Lloyds Bank. She started her own consulting company a number of years ago and is now a coach with a particular focus on empowering females to be their own authentic version of a badass every single day. Cheryl, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. No, it's brilliant. So let's just kick things off straight from the back. Like, what exactly is a mindset mentor and confidence coach? And, and you know, are they two different things or are they one and the same? Um, I think they come from similar areas, but they are slightly different. So I think you can... Um, the, the more directional different directions but ultimately what they're trying to do is get somebody to look inward and realize they've got everything they already need in life already right there so many people are spending a lot of money and a lot of time searching for things outside themselves and it's just not needed so that's what i'm trying to do with as many women as i can reach and by the way men too but it's a particular focus on women because i have experience of that being a woman um but yeah, just trying to get people to see that they're, they're already there. They've already got it. They just need to look inwards. Okay. And, and in your opinion, why do you think we have such a problem with mindset and, and confidence in, in, in today's society? Oh, I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? I, I think I'm a great believer that everything starts from your formative years. And you know, no criticism of anybody's parents at all, because everybody sets out doing their best that they can possibly do in this world. But I think... Certainly from a female aspect, I think historically and generationally, little girls have been told, you calm down, be gentle, don't climb that tree. We've got stories where we need to be saved and we need to be looked after and we need a hero to come in. And that's been conditioned into us for such a long time that why are we surprised when we get adult women expecting to be rescued every day of their life? And really all they need to do is, and I'll keep saying this by the way, it'll be a constant theme, they're already their own hero. You don't need an external hero to come in. But it's that conditioning we've had throughout our formative years, our early adolescence and, and into adulthood. So I think, I mean, it's an interesting thing when we say, why do we have a, a problem with mindset? It's, it's more about reprogramming your mindset. We all have a mindset. It's there. It's just, does your mindset serve you for what you want to achieve today? And if the answer is no, guess what? You can do something about it. You've just got to make that decision. Okay, I mean, that, that's interesting because obviously the, the conditioning there for the women is obviously, you know, they, they need to be saved by a hero. So on the same token, then the, the men have been conditioned to be the hero, but they've also got the mindset and self-esteem issues. So, so what's gone wrong there? What then? The well, it's the exact, exact, exact opposite, isn't it? So, so they've been told, little boys are told, stop crying, um, hate it, man up. Never tell a boy to man up. Never. Um, but they've been have this huge pressure on that they've got to go out and have this job that earns this money that takes care of these people. Why can't they be taken care of? Why do they need to shoulder all the responsibility? Why is it not like a team? 
Um, and that's what I always try and empower. This is teamwork. This is about play to your strengths. When I look to uh, my own relationship, I'm a, not a great cook. My boyfriend is a great cook. So guess who cooks? <laughs> I really like cleaning. I've got this obsessive compulsive about being clean. So it's not about these are girls' jobs and these are boys' jobs. These are jobs that we either are good at or enjoy, and we come together as a team. And I think that's what we've got to get to with more little boys. You know, they're, they're allowed to feel things. They're allowed to be fed up. They're allowed to show their, you know, how, how something affects them. And they don't have to be responsible for fixing somebody or fixing the world. I don't need a man to come in and fix my issues. I can do that all myself. And I think if a, a man, you know, a boy or a man grows up being told he has to do that, that's huge pressure. Because mm -hmm. you can't fix someone else and you can't save somebody else. So you're sort of being set up to fail. We're setting our boys up to fail. Mm -hmm. So huge pressures on both sides. Right, right. And, and then, you know, why is it then in your opinion, why is it so important to have a coach to help you get through this rather than try and figure it out by yourself? Great question again. Um, so the reason why I have a coach and I'll always have a coach for the rest of my life is not because I don't know these things because mm -hmm. I do know them and I'm a pr mm -hmm. prolific reader. I go out and I've studied all these things and I've tried and tested different things. It's more about keeping you accountable. So you can go and read a book, go read all the books in the world most people read a book and put it down and do nothing different with it. They go, oh, that was interesting. And they mm. move on and they read a million different books. Um, you need someone to be able to go, so what are you going to do different today? Mm. And then check back in again and say, what did you do? And how did that make you feel? And mm. what do you think you could have done differently or better or worse? Or what? It's the, it's the questioning. Um, mm. And even though I'm a coach and I coach people, I still have somebody coach me as well to do that. Mm. So it's more about just the, um, the perspective and the challenge and the accountability. Brilliant. If, if we could all do that, there'd be no such thing as a coach. And there's yeah. lots of coaches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a thriving industry right now and more and more coaches are coming on, on, um, not, well, starting the business. But okay, so in, in, in your opinion then, is, is self-esteem the same as mindset or is that something slightly different? Um, I think they come under the same banner near enough. Um, mm. and, and I don't think it in a way... I don't think it really matters if they're different or, or the same, if that makes sense, that they, they come from the same place. So self-esteem for me is the, and there'll be different words for it as well, but it's the start and end of things. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think a great deal about yourself, or if you don't think, you know, you don't think you're valuable, you don't think you're worthy, you don't think you're good enough, nothing else really matters. It, nothing will really work. So it doesn't matter, you know, like when you look out to the world and you've got social media and different things and your peer group and, you know, friends, and we're naturally conditioned now as well to compare and to go, mm -hmm. well, look at that over there. And why have I not got this? It's the most debilitating thing. Don't look to anyone else. You just need to look to yourself. And when you fix the self and the esteem and you don't work from a place of ego in terms of a, a, a debilitating ego, you just work from a good, passionate love, place of love, um, everything else falls into place anyway. So suddenly you don't look over at someone and think, I wish I had that because you've got it all here. You, like I say, I'll keep coming back to the, it's all here. It's all inside. So self-esteem is a really tricky one um, because we are absolutely in a world of compare better, 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 go out and want something more. And it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. second you sit calm and yep. look to yourself and do the work on yourself, you're, it just changes everything. Okay. Now, you know, we, we hear this a lot, you know, 
go inwards, look into yourself, fix yourself. <laughs> but somebody who, who's, who's trapped, who's, who's you know, their thinking might not be right, you know, they don't know which way to go. You know, what exactly does it mean to go inside yourself? I mean, in terms of like practical steps or actions, what exactly does somebody need to do when they're, they're basically stuck? Which was brilliant. So, I mean, there's different reasons for being stuck. Yeah. Um, so, so I, if, if I, let me, let me try and think of the best way to explain it. So I'm going to answer it in two parts, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, so if yeah. you don't mind me, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, if that's okay. So yeah. my own personal routine. So mm. one of the best things that I ever did was meditate. And it sounds, and it's, people have got different words for it. So it's either prayer for some people, it's meditation for the other. I have a good friend of mine and he tells me that he prays and he talks to God and I say, I meditate and talk to the universe. But essentially the, the just, it's semantics, different words for, for The higher fear. power basically, yeah. Exactly, something else, something else. Um, I mean, he might not like me saying that because his is God and mine. <laughs> but meditation for me was a really good thing if nothing else if just shut the world out because i was always very busy always on the go working ridiculous hours always saying yes to people helping people but when i took that time to just start meditating it was just 10 minutes and you just concentrate on your breathing and all you think about is the breath going into your body what it does in your and i'm quite a, you know it's gone into my lungs it's saturated my blood it's all these different so i'm quite i visualize the you know the the air going in and mm, it coming mm. out and just for that 10 minutes, you're nowhere else but yourself. So you've already gone into yourself. Mm -hmm. So I do things such as that. Um, I do, I'm really keen on listening to theta meditation music. I don't know if you've listened to any theta meditation, but well, it essentially. I, I, back in the day, I, I used to love listening to the Last Samurai soundtrack, uh, Gladiator soundtrack, so stuff, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> well, but they're lovely, aren't they? That, that type of music and music sort of it's you know it's proven it to else, get yeah. somewhere in the brain anyway yeah it absolutely triggers in the brain so i with the theta meditation it, it's um it's sort of like a hypnosis it makes you feel it takes you into a different kind of um brain wave um, and it's the closest you can get to being like a six-year-old again because when everything goes into your brain as fact and what i do at that point when i've got the theta meditation music on is i tell myself positive statements about myself so i'm successful i'm happy I'm kind, I'm generous, the things about myself. And when you've got that sort of in meditative state, it just goes straight in and you mm -hmm. talk, you walk taller, you feel better. So you've already gone into yourself and you've affirmed that you're a pretty badass person. You're a decent human being. You're kind. So that they're the things I do. Um, and I do them every day. I actually do those, what I've just mentioned there twice a day, morning and evening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but coming back to your other part of the question, which was, what do we do if somebody's stuck and they don't know where to get? Well, first of all, I think always have a strong network. So look around yourself. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've got a fantastic family anyway, but the, pe the friends that you have, the colleagues that you have, pick them wisely. Pick people that want to support you and want to be your cheerleaders, essentially, want to go, you did great today. I loved seeing you. Be kind and look for those people that will be kind and decent back. I think that really matters. Um, the other thing, now this is a bit of a con, uh, controversial one. And well, I don't think it is, but some people think it is. I often think when you're stuck and you're feeling in a bad place or um, upset or angry or whatever, it's the same message as I've been saying, but you've got to look to yourself. So 
don't look to blame other people. Don't look to say, oh, my life's this way because of you or because of you, because you're telling yourself you're a victim of circumstances. Mm -hmm. You're telling yourself that these things happen to me and poor me, what can I do about it? I don't know about you, but I've never wanted to be a victim in any stage of my life. It doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't feel good. But there have been times where I felt sorry for myself. So you need to change that um, consciousness. You need to reframe it. And it takes a real good, honest talk with yourself. So if you've got no one else to talk to, you've not got a coach, you've not got a therapist, you've not got these different things and you're stuck, you need to sit down and you can write in often helps. So it depends on your type of person. If you want to write things out and just write without any judgment or any expectation, just write, 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 write. And then put it down and walk away mm-hmm. and then come back. And when you read it, cause you've calmed down and the emotion's gone. If it feels, it, cause you, you, have, you know, I, poor me, it will come across as like, you're just complaining. If you don't identify with that person, you look at it and you go, did I say that? That's what your inner talk saying to yourself all the time. It's like, oh me, life happens to me. I'm this, I'm that. If she'd not done this, if he didn't. And then you need to literally do some, this is your homework. You mm-hmm. reframe all those sentences. So stop thinking that you're a victim of life and start realizing that you're a decide. You make the decisions. Mm-hmm. You are the decision maker in every aspect of your life and change it. And I just reframe all of those this happened and poor me and that and just turn it round and then they become part of your daily affirmations so i am strong i am powerful i make my own decisions i choose who i let into my life mm-hmm. and as soon as you start flipping them round and saying them every single day twice a day if you can in a really calm positive place even if it's just for 10 minutes each time by the end of the week you'll start to think you'll be like this is true this is exactly who i am so there are some of the practical things I would do. Journaling, it sounds, you know, write it down. I've even done it before where I record it. So I say the things back to myself mm-hmm. and I listen to them because then you can hear your own voice telling you you're not what you are. You, this is what you are. So, so there are a few things I would try. Okay, I mean, that's awesome. Wonderful now. So obviously you, you touched upon it there. There's, there's those that have got this victim mindset, like, you know, this is happening to me. Um, and, and whatnot. So but that's on one end of, of the spectrum. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is the those that are, have lost trust in themselves. So they're highly critical mm-hmm. and self-judgment. They don't see themselves as a victim of other people, but they've just got whatever negative beliefs about themselves and they're stuck yeah. in a different way from from you know being a victim so is, is the process for them the same um considering that they don't trust themselves um well by the way i'd still call that a victim consciousness okay, okay. um because you don't have to be a victim of other people you're a victim of life that bad things have happened to you even if you're a victim of yourself you can be mm-hmm. the aggressor and the victim but there are different techniques and tools anyway. So for those people that um, have lost faith in themselves, and I think that is likely more prevalent, um, certainly in the working world when things have knocked us and things have, sort of, especially right now, it's, it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. And I've put it in one of my posts recently on, on LinkedIn, but I'm a great believer in celebrating the wins. So what you often do, especially when you're competitive or especially actually when you're a high achiever or you want to keep going or you've got these expectations on yourself and I used to do this all you ever do is you could you could have had an amazing day but all I would look for is what I could have done better 
oh, that didn't go right. Oh God, I'm such, you know, and you berate yourself for things that you could have done differently. And even when people would say to me, but that was fantastic. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, but what about, I could have done that better. And you just near enough poo-poo everything you've done well and focus on what hasn't gone well. And when you do that over a period of time, before you know it, you don't trust yourself. You don't think you're very good at things because you're in a, and I call it an inner bully. You've got your inner bully inside going, you got that wrong. You could have been better. You could have got up 10 minutes early. You could have ran a bit harder. You could, whatever it is, you know, you're just telling yourself you're a load of rubbish. So, and, the, and, and you live with your inner bully. You know, that, that's the worst one. So you need to start. And again, it's, you know, you can write it down. You can say it out loud. You can, I mean, you'll see behind me, I have things written down on boards. Just start to write down every small thing that went well. Everything. And when you actually start getting to the end of the day and you look at it and you go, so actually, yeah, that might have not have gone the way I wanted it, but look at all the things that I did do well today and that I did achieve. And it might be, it might even be something like, you know, I helped an old lady with a bag because I could see a wall, you know, or something. Um, and you just take those things for granted and you don't realise the ripple effect you have on the world and that people are already grateful for you. And also, so that's one thing. And sorry, the other thing that I really love that I think is great is try seeing yourself through the eyes of somebody who loves you. So it would be really, really hard push to find, some, to find one person in the world who hasn't got somebody who loves them. So even if it's your mum, your dad, your husband, your wife, your brothers, your sister, your children, what do they see when they look at you? What do they feel when they're around you? And when you start to think about that, you think, so the, the world is, you know, it's, it's better because I'm here. You, and, and I just think it's, it's reframing your perspective. So anytime you have a dark day, anytime something feels rubbish, think of what you've contributed. Think of what you've done. It doesn't matter how small it is. Without you, you as an individual, that, that thing wouldn't have happened today. And when you add all those things, the world is definitely brighter because we exist as individuals. So that's what I would uh, what I would recommend for people to go and do. Brilliant, brilliant. And obviously, you have a, a strong corporate background, and, and then you went into entrepreneurship. So first, let's let's talk about your career in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that, uh, and and not just obviously the job and what what you did, but like how did you feel? Because obviously, we're in a time where a lot of people feel trapped. Um, mm. in, in the corporate world they hate it I know I absolutely hated the, the corporate world um, and you know when you read some of the polls it's, it's something like you know 85% of people actually don't like their jobs you know yeah. uh, so it's, I think it was something like 15% actually like their jobs the rest are either sleepwalkers they just don't care either way or they absolutely hate it so tell us a bit about your experience so I always loved my job um so I worked, you've mentioned it. So it started off in um, banking, so in, within industry and had some great experiences. Don't get wrong. I had some, you know, other side experiences as well, but that's just life, isn't it? That, that's, that's how it works. And then I went to work at the financial ombudsman, which was wonderful, wonderful place to work. And then I went into consultancy, which you mentioned at the beginning. So always within financial services. Um, I am really lucky in the sense that I always loved my job. What I didn't like with my job and this is actually really awkward to even admit it is I don't like being told what to do by other people I'm not, I'm not very good at having a boss so I'm much better at being my own boss 
um, at working for my own thing. Because every, everywhere I worked, I always saw it as my baby. So if I worked in a bank, it was mine. I, if I lent money to people, if we did whatever we did, like mortgages or lending, it was as if it was my own money. It was as if you were my family member when I sat in front of you. I wanted the best for you. So that's that's how I always did things. Um, it, and, I, and I think, I remember being at university, this is going to sound really like off-field sort of um, explanation as to why I think I always enjoyed what I did. I remember being at university and I was going to get something to eat and I saw the smallest car you can ever imagine and something like five huge men get out of this very small car. They look like they've been shoehorned into it. And I remember just sitting watching these more and more men pop out of this tiny car, all with suits on, and they sort of dusted themselves down and then went... <sighs> friend and going, see that, see that over there, and pointed and explained what I've just said to you. And she says, yeah, I, I can't ever be like that. I can't ever look what's in front of me and feel completely dismal and fed up about it. So I always said I would be brave enough that if anything wasn't right for me, if I didn't like it, I would make a change. And I would, I would raise my hand, say whatever it was and make a change. And I always did. I stuck true to that. But the amount of people that I've seen that, that don't enjoy their job, for me, is terrifying. It, it, it's really, really scary. Um, it's interesting, by the way, just jumping back to the, I left to become my own boss. But the work that I always did throughout my whole career is essentially what I'm doing now. Right. I always coached and I mentored people. Um, I built things, I built processes, um, I build processes now within my own coaching programs. I wanted tools and techniques to be able to make things more efficient. Efficiency has always been a real big driver for me. Um, I always ensured that people enjoyed what they did and had fun and they were listened to and they, they felt part of something. I'm a, I'm a big team builder. Um, and that's no different now. I remember at one point I had fun on my CV and I used to get questioned about it how can having fun at work be something you put on your cv and i'm like how can it not you know if you need to ask yourself that question not me so it was always about going out and loving what you do um and i still am that i just do it for myself now so so i don't think personally my job's changed even within these corporates mm -hmm. it was always about going out and getting the best for our clients um i was always honest honesty is a real driver for me honesty and transparency and sometimes you have to say no to people and sometimes you have to tell people things they don't like but that's life I'd rather be straightforward and, and do that so so my career is still the same it's just doing it for myself instead of doing it for other people okay so then personally you, you never felt stuck you never felt like I hit I want to get out of this um I, I wish I could say no I wish I could say no it was all sunshine and rainbows no there was definitely times where um I haven't had a good time. Um, and it depends how, how frank you want me to be. I mean, I, I was once um, quite badly sexually harassed at work. So oh, that was a you know, very serious time. I worked for a company for about a year. Um, and, it, and, it was, and it was like full on, you know, full on sexual harassment. Oh, and that was very difficult because I was working in an entirely male dominated world, mm -hmm. which banking often was, and certainly senior leadership banking. Uh, it's not so much now, but it certainly was um, when I was working. Sometimes I would turn up to meetings and I was the only female there. Um, and, and, it, and, it was, and it was a, a lot of male bravado as well, sort of, you know, high financial services sort of leadership. So, yeah, there was a lot of that. And there was times when um, that frustrated me. And certainly with the sexual harassment, I, don't get me wrong, I, I dealt with that. And it was, 
and, and it was fine in the end, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, not at all. And it was even more difficult, I would say, raising it and, and reporting it because um, I was seen as the issue as opposed right. to the, even though they acknowledged I was being sexually harassed, there was no, it was witnessed. I was the problem. So I was moved. And, and that for me is incredibly bad that women are still made to feel like they're the issue, even though they're the, the, the victim of a particular situation. So I see, I still, I still see things happening like that, not to me, but, and, and certainly in a much more softer way. So I don't, what happened to me was quite aggressive. Um, but there's still sort of women um, being spoken over, women being made to feel like they haven't got a voice at work, like they need a man to explain what they've just said. Because um, the world is still sadly run by, um, predominantly run by white men, white middle-aged men. So we've got a lot of work to do to be able to change those things. And that, but that is really what I'm about as well. I, I want, um, I, I want us to change the demographic of who leads this world. It shouldn't be white men. That's just not not what's happening anymore. It shouldn't be the case. Okay. So, and then, why do you think that so many people like hate their job? Then, obviously, you you didn't have as bad as experience as other people, but other people, you know, their job is probably causing their depression and their mindset issues. Why do you think that is? because they've got mindset issues. So I think it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think we were, again, we were told by our parents to go out and get a job and get a job for life and don't leave. And um, don't be a quitter, turn up, just turn up and get the money and come home. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever sort of looks, you know, like when you're at school, this, is, this sort of makes me think, cause I've got a niece who's yeah, seven year old niece going to school. And when did they ever turn around and go, what do you love? What lights up your life? We sit there and they go, you've got to do maths and English and whatever, you know, all these subject matters. Um, you, I'm not really you don't. You, you don't really need to be great at maths or great at English. Don't get me wrong, I've got an English literature degree, so, but I loved it. It wasn't because I thought I, it'll help me. It's because I enjoyed the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think what we do is we shoehorn our children into thinking they have to do X or Y without ever saying to them, Tell me what you love. Tell me what lights you up. Tell me what makes you smile in the morning. Tell me what you get excited about. Um, because that's what we should be telling them to go and do. And you don't have to find a badge with a job on it and go, I'll do that one. Find what you love and turn it into a badge. If that makes sense. Do it the other way around. So turn what you love into a job, not just find a job to pay the bills. Imagine how choking that feels if you have to just turn up every day to do something you despise with people you probably wouldn't be best friends with or socialize with, but you're for, you, you, you end up being really close because you're forced into this mutual dislike of where you are. And then you don't think you can ever do anything any different or any better. Mm-hmm. It feels like a prison sentence. It does. So, but I think we also don't teach our children and bear in mind, we are the children of the children. Of children you know, so we're now the product of that. We don't teach them to, I know it sounds weird to say to quit. I was always told, don't be a quitter. And I, and I was, I'd try things. And if I didn't like it, I'd stop doing it. I was, and my dad used to say to me, oh, you quit everything. You just, you, you pick it up for six months and then you don't want to do it. And it killed me at first. And I remember one day as I, as I got a bit older thinking, I am so proud of that. I'm so proud that I try something. And if it's not for me, I go, no, it's not for me. And I find something else. So I'm in a constant pursuit of looking for what makes me happy. Um, which again is in here. You know what it is. You don't need to go searching for it. It was always in here. 
Um, so I just think people hate their jobs because they've been told they can do nothing else and they've been told they're lucky to have a job. Um, and I think, have you seen the, um, and I'll, I'll send it on to you, but you, I can't even pronounce it, but it's essentially looking for what you can make money from, what your purpose is, what your sole desire is and what people need in the world. And if you have a combination of all of those things, then you'll find there's purpose in your life. People don't do that. I think they should get rid of careers advisors at school and bring in something along the how to help people know what they love, how to, how to make people look inside. And, and often, and this is, sorry, and I'll stop going on about this, but often what I found, and it's really interesting because I've just turned 40, and I found a lot of my school friends or people that I knew at school, and I might be connected with them on social media, so many of them are now starting jobs at this age, at 40, that they loved when they were children. Mm -hmm. They loved, you know, they, their parents would have said, oh, you always loved that, but I didn't think it could be a job. So they spent all these years working in a place where they- like Some examples about, obviously, you know, because a lot of people feel stuck and then, you know, they think they can't find a job that they love. So have you got any examples of exactly what type of jobs there were that historically might not have been considered to be able to do that kind of job, but it, it, it is possible now? Yeah. So, so I've got a friend of mine who, um, she's actually just become an L technician at 40 and she's amazing at it. Like not just average, she's amazing at it. And she's now going on to teach other people how to do it. And at school, she would have, that was what she liked, but she told, she, she told she couldn't do that. So she went off and did different things, didn't enjoy it. And suddenly at this age, it's as if she's gone, enough. I've had enough of people telling me what I should be doing and she's just done what she enjoys. When I think about my sister's a really good, good example. So my sister is the most practical, logical, hands-on person you've ever met. She could organize anybody with it and, and just has a really clever mind. And she's now, and what she needs to go and do is renovate properties and turn that into, so that's what, that's what she's going to do because she could, she could do anything better than any tradesman I've ever met. You know, if I could have her or someone else, like she physically could do it, which is great, but she understands, she's got a vision and she can see things. She can see how things work and come together. So that's what she's going to do. But for years, she tried doing different things in offices and other stuff. So it's about what do you enjoy? What, what do you just enjoy doing and turn that into your job instead of find a job just to pay the bills? But there's a million things. But what I try and do with my clients, for example, is... I get to know them and I, it's really interesting. You sort of get to know people and when you hear what they do outside of work and what they keep coming back to, so what, what dra gra grabs their attention, that should be your job. What you do when you don't have to be paid for it, but you keep doing it, funny that, isn't it, that you like, but it's people haven't got the, the courage to go, well, that's what I'll do because they've been conditioned by society that they've got to turn up somewhere treated like a a number treated like a commodity and go home and we think that's we think that's what we should have to do because we've been taught it, it we just need to get people braver and go not anymore so, so how, how much is that corporate culture plays into that then is it is it simply the mindset of the individual or is it maybe the, the corporate culture doesn't really help uh, i think there's a collective um consciousness as well and i think you know I think this, the, the corporate culture is very shiny. Let, let's, let's not be honest. It's very, it's very shiny. It's very pretty. It's very glossy. Um, 
when I, when I worked in corporate and I would always, you know, I'd get flown places, we'd go first class, uh, you would be put in a suite when you stopped somewhere. You know, it, I, I never paid for anything. So they'd pay for me a taxi from my home to the train station. Then I, the most I ever wheeled my suitcase was from a taxi to a, a train station. Then it, so it, it, it was very nice. You know, there's no ways about it. It feels fantastic. Um, but it's all a bit fake as well. That, that's how I found it. And you'd go for cocktails. I, I lived down in London and we'd, we'd finish work at whatever time and we'd go straight for cocktails or Prosecco or champagne. And, and everyone was just doing the same thing. And then, and, and you, would, you would burn out as well because this corporate culture knows they've got another 30 of you stood behind you waiting to take your place as well. There's just another, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying all places like that. There's some, some firms that are really do invest into their people. So I'm, I'm broad brushing here, but there's a constant churn of people just snapping at your feet, wanting to step into your shoes. And so that forces you to work harder or longer or more. And, and you become in competition with people. A lot of these big firms, are, I think, genuinely do set you up in competition with your peer group. Um, the way they do promotions in a lot of these places, you know, with the, the, the curve, and you are literally pitted against the person that you sit next to. It, it breeds really poor behaviours. Um, and I remember knowing that was a reason I would get out because I would never step over somebody to achieve anything. I used to say, I'm going to be really poor. I mean, I'm, yeah, I wasn't, I did always did really well, but I used to say, I'll never be rich because I will never step on somebody to get further up. But believe me, enough people stepped up the other way around. Mm -hmm. They were willing to do that. So I think it, I think this corporate culture often breeds bad behaviors. What I will say though, is there's a number of companies now, um, ethical and sustainable companies that are genuinely looking at their people as as a as an investment in what they've got and they do the right thing by people and i think eventually they will be the company certainly with the younger generations that are coming in now because i think a lot of people go i don't want to work for you i don't agree with that mentality we are we are definitely bringing up a different generation where we say know what you want and know how you feel about it and know if that aligns with your values so companies will have to start changing their behaviours. Otherwise, their reputation will speak for them and people just go, not for me. So I can see a change coming. I think it will take a number of years before that really filters through. But corporates have to look to their reputation and their culture. It, it's coming. The reckoning is coming. And it will only come if we keep fighting it and keep saying this is not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, a, a large part of that is also due to, obviously, there's, there's more choice today than ever was before like you know you can open up a business for yourself quite easily um especially with the internet now you made the jump into starting your own business so if somebody's feeling stuck in in their job right now would you recommend they change job or would you recommend to start their own business given what you've done yourself well it's a hard one and i wouldn't recommend anybody do anything without speaking to them first because i don't want anyone just you know people watching this just going and resigning what i did and maybe this helps so what i did is i realized that i couldn't work for somebody else any any longer it just wasn't for me um i realized that i had my own standards that i wanted to adhere to um and i didn't want to have to deal with other people's value you know like work to their values i've got a very strong set of values integrity honesty transparency loyalty um so i just decided that that's what i was going to do um really easy exactly like you said but the interesting thing is for, and I'm not saying this would work for everybody, but the interesting thing for me is once I decided to do that and I took three months off, I actually had a, sounds really, I had an accident, broke my collarbone. 
and I had three months off and I did lots and lots of self-work um, and, and, and looking into myself, that elusive, you know, that, that elusive thing that we talked about earlier. Did lots of meditation, lots of um, thinking about what I wanted to achieve and how I could achieve it. This is the interesting thing that I got from it. I already was on a really good salary. I was already earning a very decent salary at um, one of the consultancies. Um, and I doubled my salary. Doubled. Oh. But not only did I double my salary, I halved my hours. Right. Well, so I was working half the hours for double the money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The second I decided that I was no longer to, willing to tolerate other people's standards being forced upon me. So, so how, how quickly did that happen? Because obviously I've struggled, to, I'll be honest, I've struggled with entrepreneurship. Um, mm. It's taken me a long time to, to get out of the, the conditioning of being mm. told what to do, doing it, getting feedback. Um, because you don't have that same, I mean, when you, when it's entrepreneurship, you know, it's, it's literally, you're on fire every day almost, you, you know, you're doing so many different things. Whereas in corporate, you've given your set tasks, you do them and, and you, know, you get feedback and, and that loop happened from, from the education system. So mm -hmm. how, how did you find that transition? I mean, was your corporate job more flexible or rather than having set tasks to do? Uh, so how did you find that transition going into entrepreneurship? I suppose it was a little bit different for me because like I said to you before, I've never been good at being told by people. So I was always my own boss anyway. Mm -hmm. Even when I worked for the people, I was my own boss. And then I'd have a boss come in and try and get involved. And that would be the, you know, the clash for me. So anywhere I worked, even when I was working for an, an employee status, I, I would always interview along the lines of I need to be my own boss and this needs to be my baby and you need to step back. You know, don't bring me in and pay me X for mm. you to micromanage me. It's just not for me. So I think even when I was employed, I was pretty much behaving as a self-employed yeah. person. Yeah. And my work was like I was directors of things. So I, I was like the, the sort of senior leadership mm -hmm. team anyway. So I decided the culture. I decided everything. You know, I built it from scratch. Um, but, but what I will say, see, I found it the other, interesting the other way. So since I've started um, my own business, you have to be a bit of a um, jack of all trades. So when I was working and I had a team, I would have uh, business analysts do that. I'd have process map, you know, people would map out things. It would be my content, but I had a team around me and I'd say, oh, we need to do it this way, this way, this way. Could you take that away and write that up for me? And I had people come and take my notes for me. I would sit in meetings and... Then I would have someone emailed me the notes back. And, you know, it was things like all of a sudden, I mean, I was laughing around. I said, I have to do that myself now. I sound like really sort of like a princess. Don't I? I have to write my own notes. Um, so I found it the opposite way around, having to, to do those things for myself. But I've also found it a huge opportunity to learn and have a real appreciation for those people that did those things for me previously. I think in terms of, I think the biggest thing when you, you become your own business is the scheduling and the managing your time. Um, and I've had to look into some real, cause my, cause my days were meetings. I, I had, could sometimes have like 13 meetings in a, you know, a eight hour day. So I was literally next one, next one, next one, next one, next one. That's how I schedule things. My biggest problem sometimes now is going, which, what should I do now? Should I do that or that? Oh, there's a bird over there. I'll look at the bird. You know, that can be my biggest problem. Um, but I've just had to start to manage myself like I would a team. 
person. So I give myself tasks to do and I want outcomes. So by the end of this hour, my outcome should look like this and I work it back. I project manage myself now. That makes sense. So I've turned my business and me as a human into a project. And I, I take everything that I learned in any you know, prints or agile or whatever, and I'm the outcome and my business is the outcome. And that, that's how I do it now. But it, it, it took a few months of getting my head around that. So we can project manage you if you want. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> we'll do a project plan after this. <laughs> so so are you, from what I've gathered there, then your work-life balance is not separate. It's all basically intertwined now. Is that correct? Or, or do you have like a separate work-life balance? No, I definitely, um, I, I get what you mean. There is, there is a, a slight blending, but I always make sure that I switch off at a certain point at night. But I did that when I, I burned out at work once and it was catastrophic. Um, where, where I was working like eight hour weeks, seven days a week. Um, and you suddenly realise that no one thanks you for it anyway. They'll always just, as soon as you've cleared your work, more just drops in. Um, so I don't do that anymore. I'm really strict with it and I don't work weekends. If somebody needed me, I would, but I certainly wouldn't make a habit of it. Um, and I think that people can accommodate diaries. So it doesn't ever, you know, I've, I've never met anyone that can say that's the only time I can speak to you at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. That's not true. Um, and it's what you're willing to tolerate. So I won't let my um, personal life be impacted because the people that have got me through the hardest times are the people that I'd be disrespecting by letting my life impact them so i won't do that i've got too much respect for myself and people i love right and so talk to us about your business then now then so obviously you're a coach um you know women are your you know clients um but is it local national international is it an online business is it do you go to corporations what, what exactly do you do so it's online um online individuals and corporations um, and I like both. I, I really enjoy both. So I've got, um, and, and, and it's not just women, by the way. So I, I market for women. So I talk to women because I am a woman and, it, yeah. and it's who I can identify with. I actually have um, more male clients than female clients. <laughs> okay. I know my marketing's doing really well, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but I think the reason for that is because I've worked in very male dominated environments. So I've, I've most of the people that I've managed or led throughout my career have been men. So I've had to have that sort of ability to be able to talk to both. And I don't think, you know, it, it should be separate anyway. You know, I, I think when man looks at woman and woman looks at man and realizes that we can meet in the middle, we'll, we'll have worked. You know, it's not one or the other. It's a blend of both characteristics. Um, but yeah, so my business is online. Um, I do work with corporates, um, team building. I look at how to mediate relationships within teams because um, I think often what you get, we talked about earlier about the, the disruption with a culture where you're pitted against each other. That doesn't work. So what you actually need to do is be supportive of one another. And I do work around that. Um, with individuals, it's, it can be anything. So I've actually got a lot of clients as well that are entrepreneurs that are wanting to make their business more streamlined and more efficient. And they've come to me to help them sort of process map what they need to do. Um, so there's lots of tools but i still stand by it all starts with looking to yourself and working out who you are and being comfortable with who you are because once you do that everything else just will fall into place i can we can work on tools but the biggest work is the the inner work with yourself okay so, so who would you say then is your ideal client or, or you know if, if somebody's out there who who should come who to you talking with? to um the, where i get a real 
buzz from is female managers and female leaders. So women that are trying to find their, how they fit into this current culture and women that are looking to, I don't like saying find a voice because they've got a voice, you know, they're, they're not silent beforehand, but will it, but want to learn how to be braver in a corporate world and to be able to protect their boundaries. I think what a lot of women do, and again, not saying that men don't, so, so it's not that way, but talking to these women is they allow their boundaries to be pushed backwards and forwards and they try to be all things to all people. And I want to be able to help them know who they are, what they are and what they're here for and get pleasure and joy in that. And I think once you do that, you, you will literally start, you will actually start earning more money. You'll work less and you'll, you'll earn more money. I also think women tend to not be very good at talking about money and negotiating. And that's something that I've always been, and I don't mind saying it, amazing at. Mm -hmm. I don't mind talking about money. I can look you in the eye and talk about it. I can ask for what I'm worth. And I think I, I want to teach more women to be able to do that, to go out and sit down and go, this is my contribution. This is what I bring to the team. Because what a lot of women bring to the team is not ever written on a job description. You know, when you look at them, it's this, 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 this. And then the woman goes, well, I can maybe do eight of them, but I do another 20 over here that it didn't happen. This team would fall to bits. Start getting paid for what you do. Start knowing how to talk about what you do. And they're the women that I want to talk to. The ones that feel nervous about having those conversations come on let's sit down and work this one out and, 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 and do you have some specific examples of some of the biggest challenges that your clients face uh, you know what, what were they and, and, and what, what did you do to help them overcome those challenges it, it sounds really um minimal when i'm about to say this but it's all to do with the mindset the amount of clients that i have that come and speak to me and this is over the years as well within um, corporate that come and speak to me and have already preempted what their day is going to look like or what that meeting is going to look like or what they expect that client to say back and they've gone through it in their head and they've gone well you see i say that and then he, he will say that because i know that he and they sort of role play it but guess what they get they get exactly what they expected. So what you have to do is work on, you have no idea what's going to happen. You can risk manage it. I'm a, a great risk manager. So you can look at the likelihood of this, 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 this. But why focus on the worst outcome or the second outcome or the third outcome? Focus on what you want and go and get it. And that's what I help clients do. How to clear their... Um, I was about to swear there. <laughs> They're rubbish. <laughs> bullshit is what I was going to say. Clear their bullshit. Stop telling yourself you know what's going to happen in the future because you're not a mind reader. So stop thinking you are and start focusing on what you want and how you can get it. And that's what I've done most work with. And when you start walking, because if you start walking to a meeting like this, expecting the worst thing to happen, people sense it and you suddenly become this victim within a room. Walking is a badass. Walking, expecting the right things to come out of it, and you will get it. So it's all about that mindset work, and you won't know how important it is or how amazing it is until you've mastered it. Okay. And that's what I help people with. Okay, so, uh, so can you talk to us a little bit about how how do you do that? Is it just one-on-one -on -one coaching calls? Is it uh, a set program that they, that they go through? What, what exactly do you Both. do? So it, it depends on the individual. So I've got one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I also have a program that I do these things within the set modules within the program. And the outcomes of that is that you will feel braver, you will have healthy boundaries and you'll become the boss of your own world. That's, that's my signature program. 
I want these women, and like I say, men are on this too, but I want these people to come out at the end of it being completely in control of every aspect of their world. And if they get knocked, knowing how to get back up again. That, that's the outcome. But it depends on the individual. If they want to do it one-on-one, we can do that. If you want to do it as a group, we can do that. I'm a big group person because I get a lot from different energies in the room and different characters. But some people really don't want that. So I accommodate both. So, but it, it is online, so it'll be like a call like this. It yeah. won't be in like a, a, a premise, business premise. It's online, so I can reach more people. Now, yeah. the truth of it is as well, with lockdown, it's, it's online. Certainly, I'm definitely a, a person person. You know, I like, I'm tactile. I like being around people. So I would never have any issue meeting people. And I expect that once lockdown comes to an end, I've spoken to a few of my old companies that I worked for, and I'll be doing some work in London. But that's on a um, let's talk about it. It's but my standard business is online. I'm not certainly not against going and having coffee with people. <laughs> and obviously, COVID's been around for a while now, so you know the, the general mood. It's it's not great. There's a lot of negativity. Um, you know, a lot of depression. So, what advice do you have for people that are really struggling right like now in, in pr- practically all aspects of their life? Like, what can they do on a practical level just to push themselves out and, and get things moving again? It's, it's such a difficult one because, again, it depends on the individual. But and, I, and, I, and not to repeat what I said earlier, but I do think the celebrating the wins is a huge one. So when I look at COVID, and don't get me wrong, lots of things have happened in my personal life during COVID and you know, people have passed away in my, in my sort of sphere. So there's lots of things that have happened. And I don't want to... And paint just a just be positive and just look to the wind because sometimes you want to scream and cry and shout do that by the way I, I don't it's called spiritual bypassing if you just go let's pretend everything's lovely um it's not sometimes you need to just say what you need to say and I, I have done that too so sometimes you just want to absolutely vent do it but don't do it forever. <laughs> you know, at some point, stop. <laughs> don't spend the next sort of 12 months venting. You need to then be able to look at what is possible. So what's, what can you do and what can't you do? And what you can do, work it out, make yourself a plan, write it down um, and celebrate it when you've done it. So for people that are struggling with work, for example. So one of the things I think is when we, we, we sort of say, you know, if somebody's out of work and you keep applying for jobs and it's soul destroying, but the fact that you get up every single day and you keep doing it, that's a big win for me. That's a big win. If one day you don't want to as well, don't. It's, it's, it's about listening to what your body needs and what your mind needs. And I think you, you've got to instinctively trust yourself as well and hear what you, what you need. So I think with the job search, don't let it become your nine till five. So if you're looking for a job, allocate yourself maybe a morning so I'm going to look for a job between the hours of nine and 12 on a Monday. I'm just making stuff up, pick your own best time and stick to it and then move on and do something else because otherwise you're going to resent looking for that job and make it like it is your job. You know, like if you're at work, you'd have a meeting, make job search that place. Things like as well, building a strong network on LinkedIn. I think that's huge. It's so huge. And when you look to the people now on LinkedIn, like what we're doing right now, people are wanting to help one another. They're wanting to talk. So go and find those people and make connections. Not to get anything back. Don't do it. Don't give to receive. Do it to just meet people and have a strong network. So I think there's lots of different things you can do like that. But I think, I also think 
if you look back over your life and what you've already been through and what you've already experienced and you you actually sit and you look at a timeline of everything that you've achieved the ups and the downs when you look at the downs you'll realize that you've got through them so they passed have faith in the process trust your journey they may have felt horrific but you the incredible you got through them and then look where you went afterwards this is just another example of a horrible time it's a horrible moment in time but in 10 years we'll look back on covid and we'll and no matter what horrors happen because some horrible things have happened worse than what we're talking about people have passed away we'll look back and we'll go do you remember when we ran out of toilet paper because that's what the brain does it romanticizes things and it and it gives you a positive slant on it if you want it to so i just think have faith that you're already doing the best you can do you're getting up write a list of what you pop you could do and, and and ignore what you can't do anything about forget that and just celebrate how incredible you already are and have faith it'll pass and i know that sounds really it might sound a bit vague but i think when at my worst times that was what i've done i thought this will pass and also the biggest thing for me is there's an opportunity in any challenge so even with something that kicks you and it hurts what are you meant to learn from that experience what are you meant to take away? What door was supposed to shut, even though it feels horrific that that door's shutting so another one could open and take the opportunity? So I think it's just a bit of a perspective change. And you won't find that easy when you feel horrific about yourself. That's not an easy thing to do, but practice it. So every time, something that I said to a client, I said, every time you feel your mind sinking into that place and it's racing away with you, it's going to sound really silly, jump up and down physically move shake your hands shake do something i mean it's weird if you're in an office then you have to jump up and down but whatever it is i used to go for a walk if something got the better of me at work i'd just get up and i'd walk around the office go in, go to a different floor and go the people are like, oh cheryl's on her floor just to change something because it jars your brain and every time you sleep back do it again jump up move and you'll you'll get better and better at it you'll get better at controlling your own brain Brilliant, absolute fantastic advice. So has COVID affected your business for, for the better or for the worse? I mean, what, what's your experience been from a purely business-wise because of COVID? Um, I don't know, really. I, I don't think, I've not even really thought about it in that sense. Has it impacted me negatively or, or not? Um, because I just see COVID as, it was that, it sounds really weird, COVID was a gift to me. That's a really bizarre way to look at it, but it sort of was. It gave me this real opportunity. And I think it gave the planet a real... I'm, I'm all about the planet and the environment as well, by the way, and sustainability. So for me, COVID, for as much as it damaged so many things, also gave us an opportunity to reset. And it gave me that too. So I've never looked at whether it was worse or better. I just look at the fact that I got a great gift. I got, I got a great opportunity to reflect on what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, and who I wanted to do it with. That was brilliant for me. So... I don't know if it's better or worse. It's just something else. Brilliant. And, and so just before we finish off, then, you know, what is your why? What is your mission? And, and, and where are you heading as a person and as a business in the next few years or maybe in the next 10, 15 years? All right. So you can ask me like my dreams and my goals. So I don't mind sharing that, but I've, I've not shared it too widely yet. So, so start with my reason for being and my reason, who is, who is my person and why? It's because I think people need lifting up. And I think 
the more people we lift up, you lift up yourself as well. So we should achieve things as a collective, as a positive collective consciousness that wants to do good in the world and that wants to raise people's spirits and empower them. So that is genuinely my reason for being when you can have that positive impact on somebody. Perfect. Wonderful. Because they go out and do the same thing. It's like the, the ripple effect. I love it. So that is genuinely my reason for being. And it, and it always was from being a, a child. I just wanted to pick people up and dust them down and send them on their way better as a better version and a happier version. So that's what my reason is. Um, where I see my business is I see myself um, on a stage. So I want to be on a stage reaching lots and lots of people, talking to lots and lots of people. I've done my best not to swear on this. I know I, I did swear a little bit, but I'm a really honest, northern, straight-talking person who might not always tell you the prettiest version of something. She might just tell you the straightforward version. But I think, but it always comes from a place of love, always. And I, will, I see myself reach, I want to reach as many people as I can um, and have that positive impact. So for my business, I want to take it onto a much larger scale where I do venues, I have people coming in and, and we talk through the coaching techniques together and people leave feeling better about themselves. That's where I see my business. Brilliant. And how can people get in touch with you? How can they connect with you? How can they find out more information? So I have a website, which I don't know if you can put that in the... I'll put it in the... When it goes... Uh, we'll put a link in, yeah, so I can do that. I'm on... I've got a Facebook page. I've got a LinkedIn profile. I'm more prolific on LinkedIn um, because that's where my people really are, the corporate women, corporate men really as well, leadership, people that can make a difference to more people. I think if you, if you sort of speak to the leader, hopefully that has its own ripple-down effect onto their teams. So that's where people can find me. Um, all my contact details are on LinkedIn as well. Brilliant, absolutely. So, um, well, we're going to wrap up now. So, do you have any last final parting words? Um, the final parting words that I would say to anybody, to you, and to anybody listening, is already know that you're incredible. You don't need anything else but just to have that that inner belief there. You've got everything you need. You've just not listened to yourself. Start trusting yourself. You've got all the answers you need. Love and it. have a great day. Love it, love it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, I found it interesting um, and I'm sure the viewers will have um, as well. So once again, you know, thank you for, for being here. And for the rest of you guys, I hope you enjoyed the show and I will see you next time. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.